Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Okay, everybody excited that I use 2 and 0? Good. Okay. Hey, wow, somebody is. That's awesome. Oh, good. Okay. So, uh, last week, apparently the highlight of my ministry was a joke I told about the Cleveland Browns uh, and their lack of a football team. Well, not everybody apparently liked it. Uh, I ran into Baker Mayfield, who doesn't play there anymore. Who doesn't play there anymore, but he still has friends there, and he was kind of offended uh, because he put a lot of good, uh, a lot of average years there. And uh, I ran into him, and he actually followed me home. Now, luckily, I had some paint lying by, and so I painted an end zone on my door, and he couldn't figure out how to get in. So thank you. Bonus, it keeps out Purdue fans too. Um, okay. So today. Well, they're not all winners, but that's okay. Today, this is, never mind. I was going to make a rough one, and I'm not going to. Uh, this is uh, a, a rock Sunday, and, and Pastor Tim has talked about these before because they're kind of between series, but they're also about uh, the Christian life and what we go through. And preaching is weird. And so there are times uh, that I just, I am in prayer so deeply and so long and looking through every scripture in the entire Bible, trying to, to get inspiration for a sermon. And there are times that it comes to me like during another sermon, like while I'm talking up here and I have to like quickly make notes after. And this is one of those that I just felt so strongly a couple weeks ago that when I got the chance, I had to talk about it. And it's why uh, I would imagine this is the question that we most often ask God in different ways. It's, it's why do I have to go through this? Why is suffering allowed in the world? Why does this happen? Uh, why me in some cases? I know that uh, you probably don't know this, but I have a niece, Beatrice. She's three. Um, she is in the stage, and I love it, and I have her once a week. So maybe if I was seven days a week, I wouldn't love it as much, but I super love it. And it's this curiosity stage where she's asked why for everything. And we spent like 20 minutes talking about why pterodactyls fly the other day. And it just goes and goes and goes. And I love it because it's fun and it's pouring knowledge into her. Uh, and it's important for us to know too that God loves when we ask questions too because that means we're seeking the answers. We're going to him. We're continuing to grow. And so I, I have uh, scripture from John 11, and you're going to recognize this right away, and I say this all the time, it's about Lazarus. Lazarus is not a very common name, so you probably immediately know what is going to happen, but just kind of go with me on this and try to put yourself in the mindset of, of Lazarus's family, of the disciples, of the people that are around there as this is going on. So John 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, a man named Lazarus was sick. He lived in Bethany with his sisters, Mary and Martha. This is the Mary who later poured the expensive perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped them with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was sick, so the two sisters sent a message to Jesus telling him, Lord, your dear friend is very sick. But when Jesus heard about it, he said, Lazarus' sickness will not end in death. No, it happened for the glory of God, so that the Son of God will receive glory from this. So although Jesus loved Martha, Mary, and Lazarus, he stayed where he was for the next two days. So, as I said, Lazarus isn't a very common name, so we know where this is going. But right now, imagine being one of the disciples. You know Jesus. You've seen his heart and how he loves completely and forever and 24-7. And it just pours it all out. And he heals people that come up. He heals people who just touch the, the, the hem of his garment. He heals people by faith all of the time. 
And he gets this letter, this impassioned letter, this letter written in grief, in pain, from people that that he was close friends with, that he considered family. And as the disciples, they're probably like, man, he's going to run and we got to go. And he's like, we're staying. And it would be such a crazy thing for them. And they're asking themselves why. And and like, why would he wait? Why isn't he going? What is happening? Uh, And for Mary and Martha, they sent this letter in, in faith but also in such deep pain and such deep suffering and such deep grief. And they're pouring it out in this letter and they have hope because they've seen him and they know him and they know that if he comes, he can save their brother. But they're not thinking past that. And so they send this letter and Jesus gets it. And he says, when he says, actually, that Lazarus sickness will not end in death, Lazarus was already dead because of the way the mail works and how much time happens and everything. And so for them and for Mary and Martha, for the disciples, they had to continually ask, like we do, why? Why? Jesus loves them. That's not a question. But why would he wait? Why wouldn't he rush? Why wouldn't he do something? He could have saved Lazarus from where he was. Now, one of the answers, and this one is is something that is hard for us to grasp, but his perspective on life and death is far different than ours. Because he knows That in death, actually, we have true victory. In death, we actually have no pain and no suffering. And so he knows that. And so when he looks at things like that, he sees it differently than we do. And we always ask, we always see from a different perspective, from a human perspective. And even as Christians, even when we know where we're going at the end, it's still kind of hard to look at death. Especially for someone we love, and especially for Mary and Martha looking at Lazarus. But even knowing that, Even knowing that perspective, Jesus feels such love for them. And so he's not doing it to to teach them as a lesson. He's not doing it to hurt them. He's not doing it because he can't. He has a reason. And that's important for us to know. Even in the darkest times of our questions, there is a reason. There is something that we can learn from. There is something that can help us to grow. Uh, Going to the next part here. Verse 17. When Jesus arrived at Bethany... He was told that Lazarus had already been in his grave for four days, which is going to be important in a second. Uh, Bethany was only a few miles down the road from Jerusalem, and many of the people had come to console Martha and Mary in their loss. When Martha got word that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him, but Mary stayed in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that God will give you whatever you ask. So when she says that, she has no concept of the idea of resurrection because this has never happened before and this is not something that that anyone would even consider being done because Jesus hadn't risen back yet and everybody just it, it was gone death was the end and so when she says that she is just saying I still believe in you even though this happened even though you allowed this to happen so often we pour that on God like God why did you allow this to happen But she also does something that shows us the power of her relationship with Jesus. Because in her pain, in her grief, she says, why did you allow this? Why did this happen? If you had been here, it would have been different. That is not a bad thing to say. Jesus loves that because it means that we believe he has such power to stop anything. And he does. And so asking him questions is not the same as questioning him. Asking him questions is saying, God, I want to follow you. And I want to understand. Please help me to understand. It's like Beatrice asking me about pterodactyls. She wants to understand them because she sees these magic creatures that are flying. We were at a museum, not like at a dinosaur Jurassic Park thing. 
But she, she wants to understand all these things that we want to understand. And it's so hard sometimes because it seems, at least for me, that in our lives there are more questions than answers. And so we start to think about stuff and we start to think about the things that we're sure of and that we know. And that can be a very short list sometimes, especially for Bengals fans. It can be a very short list sometimes. I'm just joking. You guys beat us. <laughs> Although technically Tannehill beat us. But anyway. Uh, but it can be a very short list. And then we get to the things we don't know. The things we're unsure about. What will happen tomorrow? What will happen to my friend who doesn't know Jesus yet? Why is this happening in the world? Why is this allowed? Why is this person suffering? Why uh, am I hurting when this person over here isn't? Why do I have to deal with this? Or why did I survive this? All of these different things. And it's why. But when we go to Jesus, like Martha did here, it, it shows our limited view, yes. But it also shows that we know he's the answer. And that is faith, and that is important, and that is power, and that is where it starts. And what she says to him, whatever you ask, it's not a plea and it's not a committal. Uh, it's nothing other than saying, I believe anything is possible in you. Even though she has no idea that what's about to happen is possible. She still believes it, even in her pain, even in her grief. It is so hard to understand suffering. Uh, you can turn on the news for five seconds and you're going to see something tragic in the world, something tragic in the area. And, and there are just all kinds of bad things happening, natural disasters, people being evil, all kinds of stuff. And there's no shortage of suffering. And I could say, and, and this would be right, I could say, well, free will. That's why. And that's true. But even knowing that, it's so hard to go... With that, it's like, oh, free will, well, of course, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, well, why free will? Now, obviously, free will, because to, to love by your choice is the only true love. And so God knows that if we choose him ourselves with our own hearts, if we give him everything, that's the only way we truly love him, and that's how we're saved. And if we're just told to, if we're just forced to, that's not the same thing. And so free will is important there, but it's like, well, why? Why do bad things happen to good people? Why did, did you let Lazarus die? Why did this storm happen? Why, why, why? And again, sometimes free will is just like, ah, what do I do with that? And another thing, and for me, when I look back at some of the worst times in my life, uh, I think about during near the end of one of my college runs when I was getting my English diploma because the most lucrative field you can get into is English. <laughs> Definitely get multiple masters. But I think back to a dark time I went through. Just a, a deep depression, a hard time where I just felt so alone and so broken. I still trusted him, but I felt so broken. Now looking back, I can see his hand guiding me through that. And I can see what I learned from that. And I can see how it's affected my ministry and enabled me to talk to people in a way that not everybody could talk to people. And enabled me to be open and to be real and all of these things. And I can see that looking back. But in the moment, looking back doesn't really help because I'm there and it hurts. And so we have all of these questions. And, and in those moments, while we're asking the questions, like Martha is asking the question, we want this obvious answer. But sometimes it's not clear because we have to go through that time. Now, I'm going to keep going and I'm going to go to the next part, but we have more on that. Uh, verse 25. 
Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Uh, anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me uh, will never die. Do you believe this, Martha? Yes, Lord, she told him. I've always believed you're the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who has come into the world from God. So Jesus answers her with a teaching moment because he always answers us. And we've talked about this with prayer. He always answers us. It may not be the answer we expect or want, but he always answers us in some way. And so we keep asking and he helps us. And so she's asking him all these questions. And he says, do you believe that death has no power? And in her heart, she's answering because she knows that heaven is happening. She knows that, that believing in him, following him will, will be the key to heaven through the Father. Through, through Jesus is the way to the Father. And that's the way. And she knows that. She has no idea. Again, what's about to happen is possible, but she looks at him and she sees him and she knows him and she's faithful even in her sadness, even in her grief. Uh, Mary, her sister, eventually finds him and she says to him, uh, if you'd been here, my brother would be alive. And this is one of those cases where we really wish we had tone in the Bible. Because I can imagine, I can imagine my great grandmother's tone when I occasionally did something that wasn't necessarily what I should have done, once or twice. But if you'd been here, or if you'd only been here, either way, it doesn't matter because she goes to him in her pain, in her suffering to ask the questions. And that is so important because you're going to have questions. We're all going to have questions. The problem, the, the, hard part, the bad part is not in having the questions. It's in just letting them fester and be like, well, whatever. But when we go to him, like her and, and Martha both went to him and, and they talked to him and they gave everything to him. They weren't angry, but they were in such pain. I have a quote about this. This is from C.S. Lewis. I know. Pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. The first thing to understand from this quote from the Bible is God does not cause pain. God does not stand there and be like, you know what, they've been bad for a while, or they've done this for a while, or they need to feel this. He doesn't cause pain, because again, free will. But he can work in it, and he can help us in it. And so I want you to think about all of the good times. Think about the trip to the Super Bowl. Think about everything good that has happened, all of the awesome stuff, when you feel so good and so happy and so in tune. In those times, we don't necessarily think about what's going on in the world. We don't necessarily think about the bigger issues. We're just kind of going. And so it can be hard to hear God's voice. Not impossible, but harder. Because it's like, well, everything's good. You know, I don't really need to go to him right now. I don't have anything. I, I love him and I pray, but, and I go to church, but it's like I don't really need anything right now. But then, when the final buzzer sounds and the Rams are holding the trophy, when you lose the job, when you lose a friend, when you get hurt, then your ears are perked up. And his whispers sound like they're coming from a megaphone. And again, he did not cause that to happen, but he knows that in those moments, you are listening. We are listening. We are receptive. We are ready because we need answers. 
And so he comes to us and he tells us and he helps us and he lifts us up. And, and, and in that pain, in our seeking, his voice is so clear and he sees our pain and he knows that we are a point to listen finally. And yet, even knowing that, even knowing that we need that to listen, even knowing that that is the best time to get our attention, he still feels what we feel. He still feels for us. Uh, one short scripture, John eleven thirty five. 35. In most translations, it's only the two words, but this is new living. Then Jesus wept. Shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. It is such a powerful, important verse. Uh, often it's just used for trivia, like, hey, what's the shortest verse in the Bible? John eleven thirty five. 35. That's a good one. Take that home and use it in trivial pursuit or something. For whatever the question is. But it's so important. And this is so, this is as theological as anything else in the Bible. Because this shows us so much. Even knowing that we need something. Even knowing sometimes that the hurt is our fault. Even knowing all of that, even knowing what is good, even knowing the perspective of life and death, he still feels for us. He wept with us, for us. He felt their sorrow. He knew for a fact what he was about to do. He knew what was going to happen. He knew that death meant nothing to him. But he still felt with them. He still said, it's okay to ask these questions. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be hurt. Even knowing but death is victory, he wept. And this shows us that he feels with us. It shows us that he feels for us. It shows us that there is no shame in crying. It shows us that he walks with us, good and bad, through our lives. And he knows what we're feeling. He feels everything we feel. And sometimes it ends there. Sometimes we go through suffering and he feels it with us and we go to him, we ask the questions, he helps us and we start to learn, we start to grow. We deal with the new normal, we deal with everything that had happened and we move on. And a lot of times that's life. Sometimes though, and we're going to go to verse 39 and this is the part you're waiting for. Roll the stone aside, Jesus told them. But Martha, the dead man's sister, protested. Lord, he has been dead for four days. The smell will be terrible. Jesus responded, didn't I tell you that you would see God's glory if you believe? So they rolled the stone aside. Then Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, thank you for hearing me. You always hear me, but I said it out loud for the sake of all these people standing here, so that they will believe you sent me. Then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound in grave clothes, his face wrapped in a headcloth. Jesus told them, unwrap him and let him go. How amazing, not just this miracle, but what he says about, God, I know you can do this and I know you already hear me, but this is for their sake. So much is for our sake to help us, to show us. And four days, I said I'd come back to that. In Jewish belief at the time, uh, there was still some hope because... You know, doctors were what they were then. Medicine wasn't great. And so after one or two days, it's possible that, that someone could just be in a coma and come back. It's possible that death could be reversed. After three days, it was theoretically possible that somebody could be resuscitated or brought back to life through miraculous circumstances. But four days shut the door. And that's what they believed. And so Jesus waited four days because he's like, doors don't shut to me. And that's such a cool thing and such a powerful thing. And and. Uh, Martha talks about the smell and, and the beginnings of decay. I'm talking like West Lafayette, Purdue University smell. Like bad smell. 
I'm talking like baby diaper multiplied by 10 smell. And she's worried about that. And she's like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like he wants the stone rolled aside because in her heart, she believes everything about Jesus. She does. But she cannot see a way forward here. Sometimes we truly, truly believe in Jesus. He's in our hearts. He's everything. But we just do not see a way forward because we're in the midst of it. And so she says that smell. But what she's really saying is, why are you putting me through this again? And Jesus is like, hey, I made a promise. And every promise is a guarantee for me. And it always happens. And it always comes true. And I will show you what death actually means. And so he called for her faith. She gave her faith. He acted. And it's victory. It's miracle. It's beyond anything. This is truly beyond anything. Nothing like this had ever happened, could ever happen. All he did was call Lazarus' name and he walked out. He didn't even walk in and, and, and put hands on him. He didn't pray over him. He just said, Lazarus, come out. And that shows so much that no matter what we ask, no matter what we're concerned with, no matter what happens, he has complete power. And that's so awesome. That's the miracle here is his love, his heart, his understanding, everything is so cool. And he shows his power and he answered the why in this case. And sometimes for us, it's not that clear. Sometimes it takes years to deal with the answers. Sometimes it takes years to find the answers, to figure out why something is happening. And like I said, sometimes we talk about why are we suffering. Sometimes it's the other way. Sometimes it's why. Why do I get this blessing? Or why am I still alive when when this other person isn't? Survivors go, things like that. Several years ago, I don't have, uh, if you... If you go on Tuesdays, you've heard Ethan share his story. And I'm not going to share that because it's his story, but it's an amazing story. Just about a wreck. I had a similar, not a serious circumstance before that. uh, Where I didn't have the injuries that he had, but uh, I went over. There aren't pictures of it. I went over. I went. I had a wonderful Mustang that I truly miss. And having a Ford Escape makes me miss it more every day. But. But. Uh, I went, I was, it was snowing and it was Indiana, uh, back roads. If you've ever been to Indiana, you know what back roads are like. And Indiana is where people know how to draw city lines. So it's not like everything in a corner, like here where Fairfield, Hamilton, Liberty are all the same place. Uh, there's actually, you go from place to place to get to a city. But anyway, uh, I was driving on the back roads and a deer popped out and everybody senses like you should have hit the deer. I'm like swerve to not hit the deer, not because of the deer, it was like I didn't want to have like an antler through my eye or something. And so I swerve and I go off this cliff and I go between like a bunch of trees because there's a lot of trees. And my car is on its side and I have blood all over my face and I just, I'm like this, I couldn't find my phone or my keys, like everything had gone over the place. I climb out of the car and to me, I'm just like, well, this stinks, but it happened. And I'm hurt and all that, and probably have concussions and whatever else. And when the emergency crews finally came, they're like, you are like an inch from hitting those trees and dying. Like an inch either way. Because it's a tight fit. It was like the exact distance of my car to not hit those trees. And when I heard that, I was like, what, why? Not why am I still alive, but what do you have for me? Because I didn't feel... I didn't feel like my purpose mattered, I guess is how I would say it. 
And still, you know, I have trouble dealing with that for myself. And when people say a good sermon and blah, 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 like it's hard for me to grasp that. But it was impossible at that point to ignore that I wasn't on the right path. And yet there are still times that I'm like, why? Why me? Why someone who's terrified of public speaking? And that kind of answers itself a little bit, but, but why me? And we ask that sometimes. Uh, I have one more, oh, I have another quote. I have two more quotes, but one more. This is from Billy Graham. Even if we may not always understand why God allows certain things to happen to us, we can know that he is able to bring good out of evil and triumph out of suffering. Sometimes that is all we know. And that has to be enough because it is enough because he is enough. We may not understand. A lot of times we may not understand at all. But we know that he does because he wept. He understands. It's not just willy-dilly acting. He understands. And so he brings good, even if it's unexpected. Good that maybe we didn't plan on. Good that we didn't even count on. Good that we didn't even know was possible. Mary and Martha had no idea that Lazarus would be brought back from the dead. They just thought if he'd been here, he could have been healed. They just wanted answers, but he had this amazing good that no one ever had expected. And it's because he saw what suffering would do. He saw our questions. He hears our questions and he gives us hope. He wants us to keep asking, to keep seeking. He wants us to know that he understands. And also another reason for why suffering. Why, why, why? Uh, one more scripture. This is 1 Peter 2, 21 through 23. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. So often, we think, why do... Bad things happen to good people. I've done everything right. Why am I suffering? I've done everything right. Why does this happen? Well, Jesus literally did everything right. He never messed up. He never hurt anyone. He never did anything evil. He never went against God's word. He never went against anything except the tr he lived the truth. And yet he suffered every day of his life. Every single day. And he did everything right. Everything good, but he suffered. And it's hard to understand when we go through it. But we can know, we can take assurance that he went through it too. And that he felt it with us. He still feels it with us. He has a purpose for us. He knows us. And he went through it for us. And he goes through it with us. And he still wants us to ask. And I have one more quote to think about when we're asking. Sometimes I want to ask God why he allows poverty famine, and injustice when he could do something about it. But I'm afraid he might just ask me the same question. I read this and it hit me. To quote this generation, which has awful slang, it hit different. It's an amazing statement because so often we ask God, why does, why does my toe hurt after I stubbed it while someone near us has fallen down a hole? It's not to say that our suffering doesn't matter because it absolutely does. And the smallest thing that we suffer, he feels with us and he, he wants us to take that and move forward. 
But so often we ask these questions. We ask why, while ignoring someone else asking us the same thing. So often we, we see the problems and we ignore the solutions. So often we want peace, but we don't give it. We want forgiveness, but we don't give it. We want grace, but we don't give it. We want hope, but we don't give it. So often, because we see it from our perspective, we see it from where we are, we see it from a human point of view, and he is there saying, hey, I have the answer, but you have to want to hear it. And when he gives us that answer, and I tell you, no matter what it is that you're questioning, no matter what struggles you have, no matter what you're going through, no matter what whys you have, He has the answers and He will listen over and over again to your questions and He will walk with you in the suffering. But He also calls us to action. He calls us to be His salt and light in this world. He calls us to show the world His resurrection, His life, His better way. He calls us to show grace, to show peace, to show hope. Even in our suffering. Because every moment of his life on earth, he suffered for us. To set the example so that we would know how precious we are to him. And that is all the answer all the answer that we may get at the time. But man, to know that the God of everything, to know that the Lord who rose from the dead has a purpose for us and cares about our sufferings and cares about our questions and listens to us, that's enough. Because we are enough in Him. That's all I got.